And good morning, good evening, good time of day. Just goes to show listeners, this is your co-host Ridge. Welcome back. What's up, guys? I'm pretty excited today. Uh, it's just over here on the mic. Got a new epi coming at ya. Um, lot, lot to talk about here. Is it good? Is it good to be here? <laughs> it's great to be here. Great man. to be here. Let's do it. It's great to be here. Um, so to hit you guys with a little rundown of like what to expect this week on Just Goes to Show, we're going to talk about some reactions from what was going on last weekend in the Prem, everything from Chelsea to Man City to Liverpool. We've also got a couple other big stories, one from the lower leagues in England, uh, we'll call it a big story, uh, and then after that, some trivia, I'm going to hit Chris with some some tough trivia, we're going to change up a little bit too, so hopefully I'll keep you guys on your toes with your trivia and, and guessing from the audience. Then we got some uh, some relegation rescuers to talk about at the end of the end of the pod as well. So we'll try and fly through a lot, to, a lot of good stuff to I talk was, about. I don't like that segment name. What you, relegation rescuers? Yeah, we were workshopping a lot of them, and this I, I didn't like this one. But. We should get thesaurus.com to sponsor the pod because <laughs> we spent quite a bit of time on thesaurus.com looking <laughs> for. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on thesaurus.com and still didn't come up with anything that I really like. Rescuers, so yeah, not good. Maybe we shouldn't get them sponsor it because it didn't really work out that well. All right, for all you, all yeah, all you thesaurus.com reps out there. Reach out. Hey, I'll I'll uh, I'll rep it hard. And I use it all the time. And okay, so let's jump straight into first of all last week's reactions. We've got the midweek games that have just happened. So it's Tuesday, uh, Wednesday games from last week, right? And uh, then the weekend. I yeah, sorry, the weekend games that just happened. The the with the weekday games, and obviously the games are coming thick and fast. If you're playing fantasy prem, you've got double game weeks, all that good stuff. That uh, hit me hard today when I yeah. realized that. Uh, City and Everton had two game weeks this week of fantasy time yeah. of the league. That's going to cost me a match, but what's whatever. If you yeah. want more fantasy advice, like tweet at us. We're kind of we consistently debate whether or not to cover fantasy on this thing, just because it's a whole another can of worms. And I'm winning the league that we're in right now, so uh, we don't talk about fantasy because you're so annoying talking about fantasy. So last week's reactions, we're going to go yeah, let's get out of this conversation we'll, uh, quick. We'll, uh, t- well, first we'll talk about Chelsea. Chris, you love Chelsea. I'll let you take it away. I don't Chelsea. love Chelsea. Let's start there. Do you not? love Chelsea. Um, I like kind of predict them to do well at the beginning of the season, so I'm slightly attached to them in that way. But they had an interesting week. They got trounced midweek by Bournemouth, 4-0. So uh, that was an ugly start. And they actually they didn't start Marcos Alonso for that match. It was his first match he didn't start all season. Um, clearly it wasn't a good decision. It didn't work out at all. So 4-0 yeah. to Burn- Bournemouth away. And then they bounce back uh, against Huddersfield, which, you know, albeit they are bottom of the table by a wide margin, but come back and win 5-0 on that one. And uh, new boy, Gonzalo Iwain, two goals. So you'd love to see that. Yeah, second one was, uh, both of them were good goals, actually. Good, good, I mean, good shots. They weren't easy finishes by any means. They're not little tap-ins, Connor Wickham style. But, yeah, I mean, for me, again, going off the reaction, after that 4-0 game, I was—I mean, I was saying to people, "Yep, sorry, he's got it wrong." The locker room is against him because obviously, um, for those who were listening a couple weeks ago, we talked about when Maurizio Sarri kind of publicly shamed his team, saying called them out, yeah, yeah, saying they're really hard to motivate. And so I've been paying a lot of attention to how they're reacting and playing. And after that 4-0 loss away to Bournemouth, and Bournemouth, keep in mind, has a small stadium in the Premier League, Vitality which, Stadium. Yeah, I mean, the, they. I'm not 100 sure the I name, that's right. but ahead. I know it seats like less than 25,000, which yeah, is by tiny. far the smallest in the in the in the Premier League. Uh, so the atmosphere, I mean, and the atmosphere is okay, but like it's a tiny ground, and like to go there, it's not exactly a fortress to go there and lose four 0 Like what's gonna happen when you go to Anfield? You know what I mean? It is um, Weird name. Yeah. Well anyway. done. 
but but so I was I mean I was all aboard the oops sorry he's got it wrong you know he's all downhill from here and then they bounce back and some of that has to do with you know Ian Wayne's performance so they showed a lot of character there which I didn't really know they had so it's going to be really interesting to see whether that trend upwards or trend downwards or kind of continue to be volatile like they are right now I think if you look the one thing that I like about them right now is if you look at the bigger clubs and how they made signings in January I think they filled an obvious need I think Iwain like fills a, a really big hole for them. Murata wasn't doing the job. They're not going to rely on Olivier Giroud up top. So I think getting Iwain, if he can perform, it could really spring them on in the second half here. Yeah, I mean, that is a difference. If you look at the top of the table, the teams up there have just, I mean, what you can say, elite strikers. Mohamed Salah is banging in 30 goals a season. You know, a winger. And then Firmino plays really well for Liverpool. Obviously, City of Aguero and Jesus. Um, you go to even Arsenal, and they have Aubameyang, who's banging in goals, and Lacazette. Um, there's good forwards around them, and then obviously Spurs of Harry Kane. So a lot of good forwards around, and they don't they didn't really have one, I Could guess. Could really be their missing piece if he can you know, produce for them, get 10, 15 goals the second half of the season mm-hmm. here. And continuing to run up the table, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pivot over to Liverpool. Liverpool drew twice uh, this past week. Drew uh, against Leicester, and then away at West Ham today. Um so the title race, which is it's making things really interesting, because on the other side of that, Man City lost against um, Newcastle. Newcastle, yes, Newcastle, uh, and then came back and won three one um, the other day, and they beat Arsenal. Arsenal yes, um, thank you for results. Shout out. So with the Liverpool draws, I first off want, just want to say one thing about Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp, after both the results, after the the game against Leicester, he was going on about how the pitch was too dry and like the conditions were really bad. Um, and then after today's result, if you didn't catch the Liverpool-West Ham game that happened, which a lot of you didn't in the States because you were working, um, and if you were catching it, like take shorter bathroom breaks because I know you took too long to stream it on your phone in the bathroom. Um, and with... With that game, Liverpool scored their only goal. James Milner was about a, a you know, two three yards two yards offside, and it, I mean it's a pretty clear call. The linesman missed it. They went on to score off that sequence of play, and then after the game, Jurgen Klopp was making these statements like after that he accused the referee of being biased after that decision. So he, the, he accused the referee of knowing that that goal was offside and that they messed up. And then for the rest of the game, proceeded to call make calls, like 50-50 calls, against Liverpool to try and make up for that call. It's kind of an all-time spin zone from Jurgen Klopp. It's unreal. Hey, like, we this got guy... this amazing benefit from this call. But actually, though, it was really bad for us because the refs knew they blew it. So then they were making it up to the other team the whole time. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's you, like dude, you just win the game. You got your only goal because a decision was made in your favor. Is that not enough swung in your favor? Then you're going to complain about how the rest of the game is to make up for the one thing that went dramatically in your favor. Right. Like, you are way, way, way on the other end of the referee spectrum Let's talk here. about the huge break we got and how it screwed us. Yeah. Like, it, what? Yeah. <laughs> also, like, not to cut you off on this topic, but we were on Twitter the other day, saw this amazing thread. Um, and this is kind of bad radio, but I'll try to send it out from our Twitter account. And it was just Jurgen Klopp, the last three seasons, match after match after match, complaining about the weirdest things. I think it was like four or five times was the wind. One time he complained that the grass was too long on the pitch. Like he always finds these really out there weird excuses. In one way, it's interesting because he never puts any of the blame on his own players. 
you know, but he, like, it's weird. Well, see, that that's where... He does complain about dumb stuff, so that, I'm not saying that I'm, like, totally siding with him, but it's an interesting way to look at it, because obviously he knows what he's doing as well. Yeah, yeah, and here's the thing. If Liverpool weren't winning uh, or having the kind of season they were having, it would be way, way harder, harsher scrutinized than uh, with what he's saying than, than it is right now. Everyone's like, oh, Klopp, you know, he's getting it right. He's doing such a great job with Liverpool. It's just going to be interesting. I don't know, like, how sustainable that is. Like, think about Mourinho. Mourinho had that period of success where he would just, like, take blame and, and allocate blame to random stuff and, like, have these big, weird, you know, media kind of episodes where he would bring in other things to the media situation that didn't need to be there. I don't know. It, it, like, for me, it is, like, ultimate spin. Like, he, Klopp is just spinning everything, and it seems like what he's so hesitant to do is to put – accountability or responsibility on his players. And if he does, he does it with like a backhanded comment. Like, oh, the referee didn't get this and this and this right today. Oh, yeah, but then also we didn't really play as well as we needed to. Where it's like an afterthought. Like, this was the primary issue why we didn't win. Afterthought is our play. Maybe it's brilliant for, you know, for pressure on the players. Maybe it alleviates a lot of pressures. And, you know, who who knows, right? We're not it in the trenches. It seems like it's kind but... of like a deflection of accountability for the performance, which is annoying, so I get that. Right. But... It just makes me like... Yeah, every time he talks, I don't know. It's interesting. I think he he's just a weird, goofy guy, weird, goofy German who guy. just like bleaches his teeth way too much. Like, have you seen those I, things? I wonder if him and uh, Roberto Firmino have the same dentist. And Coutinho used to use that guy too. I guarantee it. There's some <laughs> yeah, wealthy true. dentist. There's definitely something going on. There's some, some <laughs> dentist in Liverpool, which is probably the last place you'd expect there to be some like fancy dentist, right? Yeah, he's just like putting implants and in all these. He's players. making bank off of the Liverpool first team and coaching staff. Yeah, Twitter sphere. If you can go out and find that dentist in Liverpool. We'll get I think, you on, we'll I think get you when Coutinho pod. left, they just doubled the dosage on Firmino. <laughs> he's just going up and up and up. Um, anyway. Yeah, I'm going to see a Twitter ad. I'm going to see an Instagram ad after this pod now for like that teeth self-teeth-winding stuff. And yeah, it's you're right. Um, anyway, uh, so we'll move on from Liverpool. But they're Piss, definitely I'm showing some vulnerability up at the top right now, making the race a little bit more interesting. Yeah. We'll get to City and Spurs in a second, kind of climbing that. But we're going to talk really quickly about uh, Palace-Fulham match as well and the midweek match. Um, Palace were involved in two pretty interesting games. Should we start midweek? Yeah, midweek they drew Southampton 1-1. I was actually, you know, I was shooting our group, you know, text with text about football and how Palace are doing every time Palace is playing. And both times I said the games felt very similar. And then the second half towards the end of the game, they went opposite directions. Palace went up 1-0 in both games. First game, um, they ended up blowing the lead to Southampton. Southampton came back with some drama uh, with Wilf. Uh, And then the second game, they pulled away. So they kind of doubled down on their lead with the substitution of Michi Basruai, our new loan signing for the rest of the season. He looked really classy. He got an assist on our second goal. So your reaction to, first of all, the 1-1, Chris, and then the 2-1. Well, I think we should dive a minute or two deeper into the Wilf thing, so I'll I'll table that for a second. But uh, the 1-1 match away against Southampton, it was one that Palace definitely should have gotten three points from, and they didn't. So it was a little bit tough to take that. They, They definitely deserved to win that. They were the better side. The 2-0 win against Fulham was really interesting. Um, not having Wilf there because he was suspended, they started Benteke and Ayu up top. I don't really remember the last time they played two strikers that were actual strikers. Yeah, not a long and, time. And um, Benteke was not dominant, but he did impress me. He helped by basically drawing the penalty that they got their first goal from mm-hmm. uh, because he's just difficult to deal with in the box, and they put a cross in, there was a handball. And then he also almost scored an insane bike volley uh, that went off the crossbar. And if that would have went in, people would have been freaking out about Venteke all weekend. It was really, really close. So 
I liked them. I thought they looked good, and Mishi was uh, pretty exciting when he got out there. Yeah. But I think the biggest story from the week is Wilf, and it's funny, if we, this happens after we talked last pod about how I, I said I would sell him. This, I mean, I actually don't really want them to sell Wilf because I love Palace, and I think Wilf is great, but if you didn't watch the match against Southampton, it was pretty ugly. I was saying in our group as well, like, 15 minutes into the match, I was saying Andre Mariner just is, like, not out of control of this match because yeah. there were bad fouls on both sides that he was just letting go early on. and kind of, like, set a precedent that he was going to let things slide and let them play a little bit more. And Wilf was getting hacked left and right and goes down. And, like, you can go ahead. Take it from here. I'm getting upset. <laughs> Step away from the mic. I got pissed about the claw thing. This is the kind of thing that uh, sends Chris over the edge. With, with Wilf... Wilf, there was a foul earlier in the game that Wilf committed on uh, James Ward-Prowse, which is important to note. It was like a very similar foul to the foul that then happened. So then, but it was weak too. The running the, went down, Ward-Prowse went down easy on that. Yeah. Anyway, so late late in the game, what, what minute was it? Like eighty fifth. That Wilf got some, yeah. That was earlier than that. Earlier eightieth. Uh, earlier. Really. All right, anyway, so it, it, I think so. after anyway, after last, that last 15 20 Yeah, uh, Wilfred Wilfred Zaha's running running down the wing. He, he thinks he gets fouled. He does get fouled by G4 Prowse. It's not called by the referee. Wilf gets up and is vocal waving his arms in the air. Um, and then the referee comes over and gives him a yellow card for making noise. Yes, for kind of dissent. He was uh, really over the top. Of yeah, he uh, was, you're right. It was 87th minute. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was thinking about the word prowess school that happened in the 77th minute. So then, so then Wilf, Wilf gets some heat, or, or Wilf protests the referee. Andre Mariner comes over, gives Wilf a yellow card. Wilf kind of like sarcastically, like I feel like my sister does Not this all the time. Kind of sarcastically, extremely sarcastically. Yeah, you know when someone claps in your face, it's like, yeah, great job. Like, uh, well, it and, might be like the most offensive thing you could possibly. Yeah, it's somebody. brutal. Yeah, without like because like, when you, you screw you lo- something up and then someone starts clapping at you, <laughs> like that, uh, it's pretty bad. And Wilf was really sarcastic about it. So Wilf claps, and then Andre Mariner just doesn't really hesitate, gives him another yellow card. So that's two yellows in the span of you know 20 15 20 seconds. seconds and then Wilf really took his time getting off the pitch kept clapping kept like, clapping kind of basically like made Mariner look justified in his decision yep so then Wilf got sent off and now he's facing retro retroactive ban from the FA for clapping as he went off the field which I mean brings up the whole kind of I thought the red card was kind of fair given the tantrum that he threw I I, I think but James Ward Prowse is a Rick. My issue, and this that's, pivot, this this terrifying. pivots over to the other to another game that happened. My issue was in the same in the same game in the same t- or not in the same game in a, in a game at the same time. Ashley Barnes for Burnley ha- committed a foul uh, was yellow car- uh, was yellow carded, and then he also um, he thought he was fouled in the box. Freaked out on the referee, ran, sprinted over to the linesman, yelled and screamed at the linesman's face. There's a picture of it. Like, yeah, just right hit up Twitter, face. Ashley Barnes, and then doesn't get a second yellow card. And so the issue that I have is the inconsistency. Like, if we saw ref, like this amount of things ref, uh, players do to referees in this league, like is clapping, is that a more severe act? And it's like uh, it, it, it seems the refs so get se- abused. Let's be honest. Of course, and so it's like, and so it's like, if Wolf gets sent, if Wolf gets sent off there, then. I can think of countless other times where players should have been sent off or received a second yellow where referees aren't – where they don't – where they hesitate to do that because they, they get nervous to mess up the game. Andre Mariner didn't hesitate at all. And I just – again, the issue with anything that – I think the major thing that people have when it comes to video replay, when it comes to you know referee decisions is consistency. And I think that because the rules of the game are – aren't exactly black and white, there isn't a ton of consistency. And this is another instance where consistency isn't present in referees' decisions. 
As a former Little League Baseball umpire, yeah, it's tough to be consistent. There you go. There you go. Moving on. Anyway, so uh, other teams near the top of the table right now. Um, so we kind of touched on City that they lost 2-1 midweek to Newcastle, bounced back and beat Arsenal 3-1. Um, Thank God to a you know, Sergio Aguero hat trick in that second game. Good thing they didn't sell <laughs> Yeah, good thing they didn't take Jack's advice last week and sell Aguero, who got a hat trick against Arsenal. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, yours was Zaha, and he got a red card. So Yeah, for acting like a baby. So nice. I, I win again. Uh, anyway, but no, so, I mean, it's a tough loss for City against Newcastle, 2-1. They've been vulnerable now, looked a little bit shaky the past month and a half, I would say, since like mid-December. When yeah. they dropped matches to uh, it was Leicester and Palace, right? Yeah, it's just interesting. I think they it just some of the games. It seems like some of the games that they had when they went off last year and and you know Centurions had, had over a hundred points. They won some of these games, like late winners one nil against Southampton. They weren't playing well, gritty against some of these you know lower teams in the league, and they've dropped they've dropped points now to Palace and Newcastle. They've lost. To both those teams, and those are two teams that like City should be beating pretty handily, you know. Oh, absolutely. And then in their other games, I mean, they turn around and beat Arsenal three one, and then they've beaten Liverpool, and they've beaten I don't know. I just feel like sometimes they they let their their focus and, and expectation of play slip a little bit against some of these lower lower teams. It'll be interesting. So they're uh, they got uh, Everton midweek coming up, and then they play Chelsea at home. So those will be two pretty important matches. Everton are a little bit um, sloppy right now. They're giving up a lot of goals. That could be yeah. ugly. And that'll be a really good match against Chelsea, though, to kind of gauge where both those clubs are at over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then rounding out the title race, I guess, at this point, is Spurs. So it is interesting with Liverpool losing or losing only one match, but now with a few draws, and City dropping a few. That's basically a three-team race for the, the title at this point. That's um, the thing. Spurs hangs around, and even with all the injuries that we talked about. Yeah, they're within five points. They've won three straight matches, and they're not dominating teams. You know, they're winning a lot of, like, 2-1, 1-0 matches. But even without Harry Kane right now, Suns come back into the squad, and he is really good. Yeah, he is good. Um, they beat Newcastle 1-0 over the weekend, and they beat Watford 2-1 during the week. And they, they're getting late winners. They're kind of scrappy, but they're putting it all together. They're winning the matches that they should be. Yeah, I mean, I think about it. There's There's been some good, you know, uh, Japanese, uh, Korean, Korean players to have played in the Premier League over the past 20 years. Park Ji-sung being one of them. Um, Shinji Kagawa yeah. Yeah, came, came to United. There's been some decent... Shinji Okazaki is currently at uh, at Leicester. There's been mm-hmm. some good, you know, Asian players that have come into the league, specifically Korean and Japanese players. And I think if Sun has, like, another season like this where he's, like, one of the best players on Spurs... He'll be up there for one of the best Korean players of all time, uh, and definitely to play in the Premier League. So he's just not thought of that much when you think of like best Premier League forwards, but he probably should be. He's a great shooter of the ball. Give him two inches of space. He's, he's he, got a great he finishes shot. everything, and he yeah. can dribble well too. He had that goal of the month back in like September or October where he went on a crazy run and scored. He he's just really talented going forward, and it's crazy to see them just kind of pick up where they left off without Kane, who is one of the best players in the league. And Sun and him are not very similar. Yeah, so, well, Sun's very Sun's very two footed. That's the thing about a lot of other players; they're all very two footed. Like Sun Erickson, is good Dolly. with yes, they're all very good with both of their feet. Um, Kane so is as well. So they're really hard because they to, to, to defend because you can't really force them one way as a defender. You generally like to force a player one direction or the other, and they can't really you can't really do that with Erickson, Ali, uh, Kane, or Sun because they beat you with either foot because they're so classy. So. Right. So I mean, here's Spurs. Their stadium's still not done. They didn't buy a single player over the summer. 
their best players hurt, and they're still in the title hunt right now. Yeah, respect. Unbelievable. Um, I, I wanted to mention that Wolves is on a heater right now. I don't know if you really want to talk about them. I don't have a whole lot to say, but they've won three straight. Their last three matches, they've scored four goals, three goals, and three goals. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what got into them. I think Raul Jimenez is is up there for probably top. He's definitely top ten forwards in the league right now, uh, and he plays like a good good old fashioned center forward. Chases everything down. He's good in the air. Holds good up with play. his feet. Holds up play. Yeah. I really like Raul Jimenez at at, uh, at Wolves. I think he's a good player. Um, they're up to seventh in the table right now, so they're making a, a really good push there. And for a team that just got promoted, I mean, I think we talked at the beginning of the season they had high expectations, but they're going to finish seventh or eighth in the Premier League. That'll be really, really ridiculous. First year ridiculous. Off. Um, all right, cool. I want to talk about one really interesting story. This isn't the Premier League, but uh, it's definitely worth talking about, and then we'll get into trivia in a minute here. So there is a club that's in League 2 in England right now, which is the fourth division down, the lowest division of actual professional football in England. They're at the bottom of the table, Notts County. They're actually the oldest club in England, so says the internet. Fun fact. Like 1862, I think, is when the club was established. Like, like 1862, you think. think. Yeah, you looked it up before. Okay. Anyway, um, not speaking just off the cuff here, but they had a new new owner by the club two years ago. His name is Alan Hardy, nicknamed Big Alan, which we'll get to in a minute because it's kind of relevant as a nickname. So he bought the club two years ago for five million pounds. They're in last place in League Two right now, which means that they'll get relegated down into like semi-professional football if they don't if they don't move up. Last week, uh, it was actually a week ago, so I think it was January twenty seventh. Big Allen has control of the Knotts County Club Twitter, and he's tweeting some other things. I'm not sure what's happening. Accidentally tweets out uh, a very inappropriate picture of his penis on the club Twitter account. Uh, the, the tweet gets deleted fairly quickly, but not before a handful of people look at screenshots of it, repost it. So it was like a picture of, he had like some of his pictures from his gallery get posted and one of them was of his penis and he's the owner of the club that got tweeted out on their account. So they were playing Lincoln, uh, over the weekend, who is top of league two, best team in the, in the league right now. And they're like a local rival as well of Nuts County. And they had 4,000 people travel to the match and brought a ton of giant inflatable penises that they have in their section. And the owner, at Big Allen, he's at the match, and they got all these big dicks flying around in the stands. I'll try to get a picture out again, but look it up if you, if you got your phone on you while you're listening to this. And they're, like, throwing around in the stands. Anyway, the match goes surprisingly well for Knotts County. They, they draw 1-1, which is a huge result for them. Hours after the match, Big Allen decides to put the club up for sale. I guess he can't face the shame. <laughs> the big penis has got to him from the Lincoln traveling supporters. So he puts the club up for sale. So he wants uh, seven million pound, or no, ten million pounds, excuse me, for the club. Seven million, that's what it was. He he thinks it's valued at ten, but anyway, they're going down, so <sighs> that was a lot. Yeah, seven million pounds and then three million salary for a social media expert to to kind of run the Twitter oh, account that this is this is big this is all time this is this is English lower league football also Lincoln City their nickname is the imps, the imps so yeah. there's just so many I mean there's so many there's so much to be had. in lower league football in England it's it's got big Allen actually tweets out a dick pic and then 4,000 plus supporters come and there's just dozens of these giant dicks flying around in the stands <laughs> the whole match <laughs> 
How embarrassing for Big Allen. And then Big Allen just, you know, a couple hours after the match is like, oh, I can't do this. It's like the bullying got to him, you know what I mean? Like he's, it's like he, he's panics. I'm like, I'm selling this. I'm he selling. thought it was next press conference. I, I don't even know how big those would get for <laughs> Knott's County in League Two, but he just couldn't face the media one more time. He's like, you know what? It'll be simpler to just sell it. He's like, I think he said something about how it was he wanted to focus on his other businesses. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it just happened to be hours after he posted his penis and then got hated on and embarrassed for everybody. But, it's literally all time. Um, turns out he's not a great dude, though. He, he got to Knott's County and, like, disbanded the ladies' team there, the women's team. They call them ladies' teams in England. I don't know if people would get offended by that or not, but the women's team for Knott's County, uh, he disbanded them, just said they were done. And then apparently he got in a bunch of fights with all these people he was hiring and they were all leaving, so apparently not a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully but, he didn't, like, disband. Hopefully some of those dick pics weren't intended for former members of the women's team. That would be an even bigger plot twist. Yeah, who knows where the dick pics were going. I can't imagine it was his wife, if he has one. I don't know. Big Allen's got a lot to figure out right now. Right. Um, anyway, we'll get into the trivia. But that's Good luck Knott's County, though. You, you want to see them stick around. Look into it a little bit more. It's pretty interesting. Be um, careful, though, when you're looking into it. Yeah. I don't think... I don't, you'd have to go hard to find a picture, I think. Even in our research, I didn't actually see the picture. So yeah, I needed that. I think you're, you think you're safe there, but... All right, Jack. Give me some trivia. Trivia. All right. On the back of Big Allen, uh, let's go Big Chiss trivia here. Um, Mm. So with trivia, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time where it's going to be rapid fire trivia. I need need the first player that comes to mind um, and you have a limit of – I'll give you 10 seconds per team to think of the player. Okay? Oh, so what's going to happen is I'm going to start okay. alphabetically from the top of the Premier League. You're going to give me all 20 teams? Yep. Oh, wow. All right. From the top of the Premier League. From the top of the Premier League. And I want you to name their number 10. Okay? I'm going to tally here how many you get out of 20. If you get double digits, I'm going to be impressed because I think that lowly of your football intelligence. Um, yeah, double digits I think would be fairly good. Um, My mind is for you. Right now. Yeah, I took the I took the sporkle on this ahead Wait, of time. Wait, so I can guess as and many, got every single. I one. can guess as many times as I want within ten seconds, though. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can rapid fire guess if you want. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy, but right. I'm going to get this timer out in front of me, um, and I'm going to start with A. For Arsenal, the number 10. Ready, go. Mesut Ozil? Yes. Moving on. Well done. I, I already thought about how Arsenal's first. Uh, Bournemouth. Um, Ryan Fraser, no. Uh, um, no, sorry. No, no more time? Nope. Oh, wow, that was quick. Uh, Brighton. Uh, Sully March. He doesn't play for them, does he? Um, yeah, he does, but not him. Pascal Gross? Nope. Oh. Glenn Murray? Nope. I don't know. Okay, next. Burnley. Um, Goodmanson? Nope. Um, ben Me. We just talked about him, nope. Oh, Ashley Barnes? Nope. I'll give you, yeah, I knew it. I didn't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did, I swear. All right, ready, Cardiff? Uh, oh, God, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, stop it. I'll give you that's Kenneth Sahor. Yeah, <laughs> I never guessed him. Uh, Chelsea. Uh, Hazard. Nice, well done. When they got that one, we've been concerned. Crystal Palace. Andres Townsend. Yes, well done. It's picking up steam. I'm starting to get nervous. Everton. 
Uh, Guilty Sigerson. Well done! It's double digits, come on. All right, sorry, we, we're working the timer and everything here. Then we got Fulham. Um, Tom Kearney. Well done. And we've got... Wait, Huddersfield. Uh, Aaron Moy. Well done. Injured, too. And we've got Lester. Uh... Indeedy? Nope. Mares, but he left. Nope. Done. And Liverpool. Mane. Yep. And. Did you try to work me or no? Yep. Manchester City. Aguero. Yep. Nice. And Manchester United. Rashford. Yep. There's ten. Let's go. And Newcastle. Um. Not Rondon, uh, Perez? Nope. Um, you should know this one. Done. And Southampton? Um, <laughs> Redmond? Nope. Um, Ward Prowse? Nope. No. Done. Spurs? Spurs number 10 is Kane? Yep. Oh. Barely got that one in the nick of time. He's not, shouldn't be number 10. Watford. Herrera. Nope. Um, I don't know. Isaac Success. Come on oh, now. Isaac Success. Um, what a name. The Hammers. West Ham. Uh, Arnautovic. Nope. Uh, Anderson. No. Nope. Um, oh, Done. Lanzini. And oh, Wolves. Wolves. Uh, it's not Neves. It's not Jimenez. Done. Helder Costa. Yep. Wow, okay. So we I got 11. Wow, it's a bad finish. Chris ended up with 11. He got off to a hot start getting Mezu Ozil, Jordan Nibe. I didn't um, get Jordan Nibe. Oh, you, you didn't get Jordan Ibe. Oh, I almost guessed him, too. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, you didn't get Jordan Ibe. Uh, didn't get Florin Andon, Andone from uh, Brighton. You did get Ashley Barnes. You didn't get Kenneth Sahor, Hazard, Andros, Gilfie. Yeah, this is where I went on a good run. Tom Kearney, Aaron Moy. Yep. Lester was James Madison. Oh, my God. I, that was you got so Mane, Aguero, Rashford. Um, Newcastle's Mohamed Diame. Whoa, I didn't think I'm going to number 10. And Southampton's Charlie Austin. Same. I think Spurs, Hurricane, you got. Isaac Success is Watford, like we said. West Ham, Manuel Lanzini, like we said. Been hurt all year. Helder Costa on Wolves. Not bad. Um, so That's kind of tough. 11 out of 20, tough Very trivia. Um, also, thanks for bearing with us on that trivia, fans. Um, you know, might have been really boring. Yeah, could have been. But we'll get some feedback. Yeah, we love it. Twenty people, all the number, t- all the number tens. Nothing to lose here. We could be talking for hours. Nothing to lose. Tune in or tune out. Um, all right, sweet. So, going to the ending of the pod. Essentially, what we were, we were thinking about. We've been doing these segments at the end of the pods when we we kind of like picking. I don't know, like your ones to watch or uh, you know uh, buy sell buy or sell stock of teams. So we're trying to give our takes on just. Almost like less talked about or more or more general parts of the league, 
Um, I don't know, like people to watch, stuff like that. So one thing we we're talking about was with this relegation fight, there's a lot of talk obviously about the title race. It's well documented. We talk a lot about it. Everyone does. want to get some love to the lower part of the table. So we, like we talked about, relegation rescuers. Chris is cringing as I say it. No, I'm, so, just, I'm, I'm pondering because Jack really wanted an alliteration. I, I did. kind of tacky, but I get it. What, relegation are somethings. That's all I look for. Revivalists? Relegation. We, we, we tried like 10 different things. <laughs> you got a better name and for I it. And I just gave up and you just picked this one. Um, so basically what we looked at is we looked at the bottom eight teams in the Premier League. Basically once you cut off the league below West Ham, you've got eight teams that are somewhat still, so, you know, the Brightons, the Crystal Palaces are further away from the race. But the eight teams at the bottom of the league are all, we'll say, in the relegation well, there's fight. A, there's a cutoff. And any of these teams, if they went through a bad stretch of form, they could get into the relegation zone. There's five points between Brighton in 13th and West Ham in 12th. There I feel go. like that's kind of a cutoff. Yeah. So uh, we picked. We decided to pick three players from the bottom eight teams to keep an eye on. These are teams that may or may not be well-known for different reasons. But um, essentially, like if you're going to watch the bottom half of the table, just remember these names to, to see who's kind of going to rise from the ashes or be the relegation rescuer. da 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 Cool. Um, Maybe we throw some cool music out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to kick things off with what I think is – I'm pretty proud of this pick actually. So Dwight – You're super proud. I think you wanted to do the whole segment because of this. Maybe actually because like – I don't know. I just feel like players like this, like nobody knows this guy. His name's Dwight McNeil. Um, I talked some smack about Ashley Barnes and uh, Burnley earlier. I don't like the way Burnley play. I respect Sean Dyche kind of. um, But – Dwight McNeil is a 19-year-old winger for Burnley who just got – just actually made his Premier League debut this season. And he's kind of – they had some really, really bad form early in the season. Since he's come into the side with the injury of Aaron Lennon, he's been brilliant. Um, he takes all their set pieces, takes their corners, plays on the wing, gives him speed. Um, but he also plays intelligently where he can kind of play with uh, – play off of the big man. So they have Peter Crouch. They um, you know have people like Chris Wood up top. And so – do a pretty good job of, of serving the ball into the box, um, but they haven't really had like a good wide player. Like Goodmanson was okay. Um, Ashley Warren's pretty scrappy in the middle. I like Dwight McNeil a lot, um, and I think he's a young player to watch because he's 19. He's the youngest player on that team by a mile, um, and there aren't that many 19-year-olds who are getting you know who impacting Premier League games pretty regularly. So Dwight McNeil, Burnley. Yeah, and they are starting to pick it up. They haven't lost in their last five, I think, at Dwight, least. Dwight so. McNeil. There you go. Um, all right, my first one I'm going to go with is not as low profile as Ben McNeil. So sorry if that's what you're looking for, but I'm going to talk about Miguel Almiron. Is that how we're saying Almiron. it? Almiron. Is that how we're saying it? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Almiron. they say on, on NBC. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know what they say in the MLS because I didn't watch enough of it to actually know. But so um, backstory on him: just got to Newcastle. He is an attacking midfielder, a number 10, if you will, like we just talked about in trivia. 24 years old from Paraguay. If you will. Uh, He played in Argentina for a couple of years and then has played in the MLS for the last two years for Atlanta United. Supposedly really good. Um, Again, he's 24. They spent like 20 million pounds on him, so it was a pretty big signing. Biggest MLS signing of all time, actually. But last season, he had 12 goals and 14 assists. And they really could use someone to link up well with Rondon. They have a really good striker. They've kind of been lacking that um, attacking midfield, playmaking presence, I feel like. Yeah, so I, I think Perez he could really be a big boost for Newcastle in the second half. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I like that take, too, because it is interesting. This is kind of the first time in, in human history that a player's gone 
ascending their career for a big purchase from the MLS to the Premier League, right? There have been a couple other players There's who, been a couple, who but not made the jump. This is a really big and one. you yeah, and usually they In do the, it, yeah. and usually they've done it around the, like their 28, 27, like 28. Like going to be getting into his prime, exactly. Like um, and and so it hasn't really hasn't really happened where a Premier, where a players like really broken down uh, broken out into the scene through the MLS and the MLS only. Like there's been some other journeyman players who have kind of bounced around, played in like Mexico or maybe they played in Spain or whatever, and then they go to the MLS and they come back to the Premier League. This is the first time someone's like made their name purely through the MLS. I feel like and 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 gone over there, and it's the biggest transfer of all time. So, uh, I, I'm it's interesting to see. Like I'm interested to see how he adjusts the Premier League style of play. He could be brilliant. He could be an absolute bargain deal for twenty million, and everyone's like, wow, everyone should go over and scout more players from the MLS. If he's absolute crap, everyone will be like, okay, nobody buy anyone from the MLS because they're just going to have a ton of hype for playing this league that's you know subpar well, so the other thing is i mean i don't even know if it's necessarily like going scout cash in the mls like this dude was one of the two or three best players in the mls last year so it's yeah it's not like just a kind of scouting to like figure this guy out it's not like some discovery right but his value he could be very undervalued is, is, is my true point. you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah like exactly. anyone who scores as many what do you right have so he, if he comes in and transitions and immediately makes an impact they'll be like all right well hey the quality of the mls must not be that bad right yeah. exactly um cool all right, go ahead. Who's your next guy? Yeah, next guy I'm going to hit Nathan Redmond from Southampton. Uh, you guessed Nathan Redmond for Southampton's number 10 earlier. Nathan Redmond's been ever-present for Southampton this season, which there are, there aren't that many players in the prime who have played every minute of every game. I think um, Luca, it might be like the only other one. Uh, don't don't take my word on that, but I, um, I know... I know that uh, I know that Redmond plays is crucial to the Southampton team. He's the biggest name in the side, one could say. Probably. Actually, I will say, yeah, he's the biggest I name. Would say kind of a hyped up in England. Yeah, yes. he's a hyped up winger. Was was well known coming through Norwich, and he scored a really good goal um, for them to draw against uh, to draw against Burnley um, in their in their second game. So I'm impressed. I don't know. I think Nathan Redmond is a good. A good winger, if they're going to score goals and find points and win games, it's going to be through his play. And I, and again, I, I've been talking about Ralph Hausenhutl and how I like Southampton right now. Uh, Redmond looks good, and I, I think he's probably one of the better players on that team, if not the best. I like that pick for the reasons you gave, uh, mainly just considering the fact that like he's not young, he's not like a new player. If you follow football and like follow the Premier League, you're going to know who Nathan Redmond is. But he... Um, He's a guy that you need. Like you need that type of player to stay up in a relegation battle. He's got yep. experience. You can kind of play him in a couple different positions. You you know that you're going to get solid performances out of him, and he's going to lead her. So, for that pick, I like it. Um, I did just look up. You're right. Luca has played every minute, uh, and the handful of other keepers here. Yeah, uh, outfield players. Redmond hasn't. So he hasn't. Wrong about that. I think he missed the game maybe in the last week or two. I know around Christmas he had played every game. Right. So um, anyway, so my next Luka, pick though. is actually relevant because it's a very similar type player. I'm going with Andres Townsend, and him and Nathan Redmond are very comparable in a way. They're both English wingers. They're not incredibly fast. They're like 27, 28 years old each. Um, they both got a little bit of stint in the national team, but haven't really done anything since. But Andres Townsend is a really, really important player for Crystal Palace, and this season has been this has been his best year with Palace by far. He's been really, really good as of late. Scored some really nice goals. He's contributing a lot offensively. Wilf hasn't been as as good for Palace this year, and Andres has completely stepped up. And I think Palace will stay up, but I think 
they're going to need good performances out of him in order to do so. Yeah, there's some talk that he'll win Premier, he'll, he'll win Player of the Season, and I think that's quite deserved. I've given Andrus a bit of stick over the past few seasons for Palace. I don't feel like he's had the goals. He takes a lot of efforts from distance. He's been really, really inspirational. Made far fewer mistakes this season, so I've been really impressed with him. And he's um, missed all of... 35 minutes of yeah. this season. But quick uh, quick take to correct, though, Nathan Redmond is 24, so Nathan Redmond is younger He's than 24? That. Yeah, he's been on the scene for a while. Um, but then oh, pivoting wow. back my to bad. my to my last player, um, I'm going to go with Mishu Batshuayi. I think this Crystal Palace, like, they, this Crystal Palace team is crying out for someone to finish the season and score 10 goals in the latter half, in, in the latter part of the season. Um, whether it's Benteke coming coming into the side um, from injury or if it's Mishi, I don't know who, but I thought Mishi looked really, really lively and has more of an agile dimension to him than Benteke does. And Benteke's criticism oftentimes that he settles too much for the, for the header of the aerial ball. I expect Mishi to come in, and then hopefully we can make the transfer permanent pending his play. I'm not going to say, like, I want to keep him permanently already, but this, t- this pass team just has too much attacking threat and has not had goals in it, so it's made for someone to come in and score goals, and I think Mishi will do that. Yeah, he comes in at an interesting time for them, only because uh, Jordan Ayu start, finally started to pick up his form a little bit, where he scored a couple of goals. Benteke's finally fit. Connor Wickham's actually fit. So he comes in when they're not at their lowest point um, with their strikers. But yeah. I agree. I think he adds a little bit something else with his feet. He just made that one move the other day. He only played for 15 minutes or so. But it he made reminded one me, move in the box before his shot, and it was really It reminded nice. me of a younger Benteke. When yeah, Benteke was a little about. slimmer, a little slimmer, more agile Benteke. Yeah. That's how he was one day. All right, who's your final guy? All right, I'm going to send it off in style. We'll go back to Burnley one last time. And Peter Crouch, the 38-year-old forward, recent signing. Uh, Peter Crouch has had an illustrious illustrious career. Um, he, he dates back to the early 2000s with his appearances in the Premier League. He's 38 years old. Um, is he like the ta- one of the tallest guys to ever score goals? Si- league, so Peter Crouch is six foot eight. Yeah, for those who don't know what he looks like, I don't like. know if he has the record for tallest guy with a goal in the Premier League, but he's got to be the top two. Or Peter Crouch years. looked like the guy who we all had in like our seventh grade class, who like got really really tall and was really really skinny, and it looked like they just needed you know. And, and dads would always say like, "Oh, you should go out for the football team. You got to like, put on some weight." And so like you know. people make jokes about like how they're not eating because they're just so tall and skinny. Peter Crouch grew like that and has just stayed like that. Like he's a very bony guy. He looks really unco- uncoordinated and like when he's running, it looks like any one of his legs could give way at any point in time. Um, and he's just a class. He's a good Twitter follow. Good guy. I was going to say, it's great, great Twitter follow. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a player to follow, he's, he's hilarious on Twitter. But he also already got an appearance in his first match with the club and helped draw a penalty. So... He can kind of be useful, and he kind of fits into the Sean Dyche type of mold, where he I mean, he like runs a pretty rigid system anyway. He, he, yeah, he's just so tall. Where like he's a, huge. Any player, he's a lot to any, deal with. yeah, any player as big as Peter Crouch, if you put them on the field, it's I mean he's taller than every than a lot of goalies can reach in the air, and so it just affects stylistically a lot that happens on on the field, like how you defend. It's just annoying for defenders to deal with, unless you've got a really really tall defender. He just wins every knockdown, and so right. you always have to play off the second ball, which you know a lot of stuff can uh, can go wrong if you just long, long like send long balls into the box to someone so big. Yeah, um, I don't actually think that he's going to be like instrumental in the second half of their season necessarily. I just wanted to talk about him. But yeah, good Twitter follow too. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything else, so that'll that'll wrap up that segment. Um, you want to talk real quickly about like what your plan is for the next week and a half? Yeah, so we're a little bit up in the air in terms of what's going to happen with the pod next week. We've been pretty consistent with getting you guys Tuesday content because 
that's a good time and we are able to digest the fixtures from the weekend. So we want to keep doing that. The only challenge is I'm going to London and Paris for the next 11, or 11 days, starting on the 6th, back on the 17th, President's Day of all days. Um, so with that, I'm actually going this weekend to Crystal Palace at home against West Ham, uh, which is a fixture I'm excited for, especially on the back of the last two results they just had. Well, West Ham's good, good result today. And then uh, the next day, seeing Spurs against Leicester, which I'm excited for that one, given uh, the talk we've had about Spurs and, and their inability to draw games and finding goals in, in different parts of the team. So I'm excited for both those games. Slightly let down because the game uh, for Spurs, obviously I'm not going to see Harry Kane or Deli Alley play, but... And the and I should say the game was supposed to originally be played in Spurs' new stadium, which is reportedly coming very close to completion. That's what they keep telling us. Right, which we they've been saying that for months. So I originally thought I was going to be maybe see one of the first ever games in the new stadium, but that's not true. It's just going to be at Wembley. But the Wembley uh, day out at Wembley is going to be brilliant. So yeah, uh, quick ten second story. One time I was at Wembley with Jack and his dad and other friend Andrew Lockman and. We got a bunch of concessions that were like way overpriced because it was Wembley, and we were walking back to the seats, and I tripped over a seat and spilled everything. This is the loud. This is the it loudest spill so I've ever heard in front of like eighty thousand people before the match started. Every, so. Everyone looked. Yeah, beer. Anyway, everywhere. that's my my Wembley moment. That was like sixteen year old drunk chess. No, I was like nineteen. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked right. like I was like fourteen. But, yeah, there you go. Um. Anyway, that'll wrap it up. So yeah, Jack won't be here next week. I don't know if we'll put something out or not. I'm going to New York the weekend after, but we'll definitely have something out two weeks from now. Something, but we'll we'll, we'll see in the meantime. Follow us on Twitter. Keep in the loop. And yes, we sent out a tweet looking for stuff to cover. We've gotten a couple of responses. We want to garner some more of those and kind of be able to respond to some of the content you guys like. So definitely shoot us a response there. Um, retweet all that stuff's appreciated and. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.